This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show. I'm your host, Mike Agarbo. Our uh, co-host, uh, John Beeler, will be uh, joining us uh, in a little while. We've got uh, a really cool program for you today. Coming up on uh, The App Show, we'll uh, be chatting with our good friend Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto about the Mobile World Congress. This is the big mobile show that happens in Barcelona, Spain every year. And uh, this year it's going to be an in-person event, or has been an in-person event. And uh, a lot of uh, the mobile and uh, smartphone companies uh, are launching a lot of cool new gadgets and, and, and gear. So we're going to be going through some of uh, some of the cool things that we've come across so far. And for the iPhone users out there, we'll also uh, be looking at iOS 15 features you probably didn't know existed. Uh, so these are kind of little uh, features uh, that uh, a lot of people aren't using with their iPhone. And uh, you'll, uh, you'll be impressed with some of the things that you can actually do. So we'll uh, be going through all of that for you uh, as well. Uh, let's get into some of the mobile or app news uh, this week. Some interesting things happening. Netflix, I think uh, pretty well everyone I know has Netflix, uh, one of the the biggest streaming services out there. They've been uh, experimenting with interactive uh, programs uh, over the past few years. You might recall Black Mirror, Bandersnatch. Uh, They also had a trivia-centered show called Cat Burglar. Well, they have a new one launching April 1st, and they say, no, it's not an April Fool's Uh, day joke and it's going to be called trivia quest there's going to be uh, 30 of these episodes in total Uh, but it is kind of like uh, an interactive trivia game slash show and so as you go through the uh, the game you have to answer uh, easy and hard trivia questions to to move the story along and apparently you can replay the uh, the episodes uh, to get different uh, outcomes and uh, to improve your score uh, as well so uh, apparently there's going to be about 24 trivia questions and uh, categories will include everything from science entertainment sports geography and history uh, it's actually based on uh, a game called Trivia Crack, uh, which uh, Netflix uh, apparently has uh, licensed. This next story is, uh, you know, unfortunately still uh, something that happens uh, to folks out there. An Alberta man's daughter, her, his 18-year-old daughter, racked up close to $5,000 in in-app purchases. And, you know, that's kind of the challenge with some of these apps out there. They may be free to download, but how they make their money is uh, through purchasing little extra goodies inside the app or extra features uh, to unlock certain uh, you know things or games uh, uh, that you're you're playing. So, unfortunately for uh, this young lady, uh, she became obsessed uh, with a game called Township. This is kind of like a uh, a town and farm game, and. She uh, essentially racked up 800 charges over just a few months. And some days she's spending 200 to 250 dollars uh, in a 24-hour period. So again, the, I think the total bill came to about 4,986 bucks, but uh, that's it's a hard uh, hard bill to swallow, and there's no, no question. They, uh, they did reach out to the, the game developer and uh, also, Apple for a refund, but uh, from what I understand to, to date, they haven't heard back from them uh, yet. You know, that being said, uh, Apple, they do have a families page on their website that uh, does go through 
parental controls and and how to limit access to in-app purchases. So, uh, you know, typically, you know, if you are uh, in a family and you've got, uh, you know, your kids uh, using, uh, you know, Apple products like iPhones, you can limit what they purchase so that they have to get permission to actually make those in-app purchases or to uh, to download certain things as well. So something definitely to check out to make sure you've got that kind of lockdown if you've got uh, kids or teens. TikTok in the, the news again. TikTok is a you know, really popular app, especially uh, <clears throat> with uh, teens. I'm actually kind of hooked on it too. Uh, you know, essentially it's uh, short little videos, you know, anywhere from, you know, 10 seconds to 30 seconds or, or a minute. Uh, that being said, I think they've actually increased uh, how long these uh, these videos can be now, I think up to 10 minutes uh, long. But I think for a lot of TikTok users, that's too long. Uh, but they are facing investigations into the impact on young people's mental health. Uh, and this is down in the States. Uh, several state attorney generals are looking into this uh so it's a coalition of state attorneys uh, everyone from uh, california everywhere from california florida kentucky uh and they're basically looking to the potential effect on young people's uh mental and physical uh, health uh they're looking in to see the way tiktok uh, designs uh markets and, and operates its platform and what kind of effects or negative effects it uh, may have on children and teens and and young adults uh, health there's no question it is a very addicting app like you can spend hours just going you know scrolling through these videos you know basically you'll watch one 20 second video and then the next one pops up you can just keep scrolling up and it's got this crazy algorithm so it really starts trying to understand the type of things you like maybe you like trucks or RVs or or cats and it just kind of narrows that down and just keeps feeding you the the content uh, that it uh, thinks and pretty well knows that uh, that you uh, that you like HTC they uh, they used to be a, a player in the smartphone market uh, a few years ago they actually sold uh, their smartphone business to Google uh, but that being said they're not uh, officially out of the smartphone game it looks like uh, they're still trying to release uh, new models uh, they actually had uh, a blockchain smartphone called the Exodus One, uh, but now they're pivoting over to the metaverse. Uh, they've actually got a really cool um, virtual reality headset. Uh, it's kind of under their Vive uh, brand, and now they're looking to bring that that brand. Uh, I think they're calling it the the Viveverse. Uh, they're trying to create a, a virtual world that would work in the metaverse, so so to speak. Uh, so they're looking at actually launching. A, uh, a new handset uh, this April. So it's actually coming up uh, very, very quickly. Uh, but, you know, that, that is one of the things we will be talking about uh, later on in the, uh, the program. We'll be uh, discussing some of the, the new smartphone announcements from uh, uh, some of the, uh, the bigger players uh, out there. It's kind of interesting. There, there's a few little innovations, but, I'm, you know, I'm still waiting for kind of the, the next revolution uh, of of smartphones, I, I just think you know in many cases it's a lot of just uh, small iterations. But you know we will be covering that uh, with uh, our good uh, friend and get uh, connected Nap Show contributor Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto very very shortly. So we have that coming up. Uh, we will also be covering uh, iOS 15 features. That's the operating system that uh, iPhones use. 
And we'll uh, be talking about some of the really cool things that it can do that you probably aren't uh, using. So stay tuned for that as well. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Eggerboy here with John Beeler. We're going to chat about the Mobile World Congress. This is an annual show that takes place over in Barcelona, Spain. It's like the big show for all the latest mobile and smartphone announcements. And we've had the good fortune of going there for a few years, but not this year. And I'm kind of sad. I've never been able to go. Oh, you haven't? No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You, oh, remember? We went. But in we 2020, didn't... but they canceled it. Four days before we got there. Yeah. But we already had tickets and everything, and it was too expensive to yeah, just Yeah, and then, then we got COVID there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it is a fascinating show, and there's uh, a bunch of new announcements that we want to talk about today. We've got our good friend Ted Kritsonos on the line from Toronto. How you doing, Ted? I am not in Barcelona. No. So, uh, I, yeah, so I'm not at the show, but I've been following it. Yes. I've been following it. As, and as it, we have. It seems, though, in photos that it's kind of like it was in 2019. Yeah. Which I, yeah, you were there, Mike, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 20, yeah, 20, yeah, 2019. Yeah, it was, uh, it's an interesting show. It's spread out across a few different buildings. You know, all of us have been to Consumer Electronics Show, which takes place in like these football stadium sized warehousey kind of, uh, uh, show palaces, I'll, <laughs> I'll call them. Uh, this one here, you know, the the arenas are smaller, but they're all kind of interconnected, almost like a, a hamster city, <laughs> I, I would call it. Uh, but yeah, just uh, I wanted to get you on the line, Ted. Uh, you know, you share a love of uh, tech and, and mobile tech and just talk through some of the announcements uh, happening over in Spain. Uh, kind of, it looks like a lot of Chinese brands uh this year, basically touting touting their their wares, didn't see much from some of the the bigger guys like the Samsungs of the world. Well, I think the one thing we have to remember about this show is that it's very Euro centric. Right? Yes. So, so the European markets uh, play, you know, are obviously the biggest factor at the show. Those Chinese brands, you know, they sell their products there. Uh, they and they have a certain level of popularity. So, you know, Huawei. Um, I mean, they're, they've opened a retail store here in Canada and they're opening more, but Huawei has already had a presence in Europe. Um, Oppo has, Honor, OnePlus. I mean, they've all had a presence in Europe and that's why we're seeing all these headlines about them. OnePlus to me stands out because it has its presence here too. And the OnePlus 10 Pro, which is already out in China, we're finally going to get a North American version of it by the end of March. So... Uh, we don't know pricing yet. We don't know too many details or an exact date. But to me, uh, OnePlus is one of those brands to always look at when it comes to Android phones. Do, do you think that the reason why we don't see the Samsungs and some of the other big guys uh, at this show and to even to an extent at CES in the same way, other than the COVID reasons, is just because some of these... Um, companies have realized that they can have a much bigger impact when they steal the show themselves and have their own little shows? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Apple had already done that before. Yeah. Samsung then started to do it too. Samsung for a period of time was launching its S phones at Mobile World Congress. Right. Right. I mean, when I was there, I, I went to Mobile World Congress once. It was in 2016 and that's when they launched the Galaxy S7. 
but they did it at the show. And after that, you started noticing, because their Galaxy Note launch would obviously be in the summertime, that'd be separate. You started noticing after that, that they would inch away and start to do it right before the show. And then after that, at a totally different time, like maybe even a couple of weeks before the show is going on. So I think, yeah, I think it's a pattern that more companies, when they gain some confidence and they feel that they've got, they've got the eyeballs that they can draw the eyeballs in, they're just going to, they're just going to do it on their own time. I mean, so Microsoft left CES for that reason too. Yeah. Right. Cause they felt the timing of the show did not fit with their product cycles. And they said, there's no real point in us being here. We're showing stuff that, you know, is already, it's not new. So I think there's to some degree for the phone manufacturers, it's the same thing with mobile Congress. I also wonder too, if the fact that we've all been sort of working remotely for two years, they realize that they can still send out the press releases. They can still send out the review products. They don't have to bring everybody together in some big city somewhere. That's a good point too. Actually, one thing the Chinese brands that I've noticed are good at, because I also review some, some Chinese phones that are not readily available in Canada. Uh, I do it for, uh, the reviews are usually for the U.S., but um, they will give us or me like I, I some I often get the product before it launches, right? And 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 I feel like that's one thing Chinese brands have been trying harder to do is to okay we're, we can announce the device, but we're going to try and get it in the hands of reviewers earlier so that the 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 coverage comes out at the time that the product launches. I feel like the bigger companies, they still care about that, but they're not as, they don't move as quickly on that, right? Samsung's okay, but yep. we're not going to get all three phones to review all at the same time. Well, maybe Mike does, but I yeah, We did, actually. Yeah, because <laughs> we're Canada's number one tech outlet, Ted, in case you didn't know. <laughs> so, really noted. so, Ted, one of the interesting things I, I saw that was announced, uh, uh, Oppo, which is uh, a Chinese mobile brand they've uh you know very popular over in in asia they've uh, announced uh fast charging uh, i think 150 watt and 240 watt uh so tell our listeners why that's a big deal well <laughs> because your phone can charge a lot faster um as a result i mean that's that's and, and this is again this is something that the, the chinese brands i've noticed have been pushing too they they want people to charge their phones a lot faster. Uh, I haven't seen any of the brands that we are familiar with more so here doing that. Um, Samsung is still talking about like 45 watt chargers. These guys are talking about 150 watts. Is it, is it something that people necessarily need? I don't know. Well, um, it's interesting. The, the Oppo 240 watt, that means if you have a dead phone, you can be fully charged in nine minutes. Nine minutes. Yeah. That is insane. And 150 yeah. watts is oh, a long 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Now, but I just got to clarify, though, no, like, do they charge it from zero to 100 or zero to 80 percent? Well, in that time? I, I don't know. I'm just reading headlines here. But yeah. the interesting thing, though, is <laughs> like I have I have a, a 13 iPhone 13 Pro Max. I don't even ever care when it's charged because I have I have like probably two days worth of battery and I'm a heavy user of it so this is cool if you're like a power user but you probably have a much smaller battery or a smaller phone than the Pro Max that I have so I'm, I'm just kind of like there's got to be a tipping point there somewhere where people can get a fast charging phone I'm also wondering like is this thing going to be like nuclear hot 
Yeah, heat uh, is something I was thinking about too. Yeah. Uh, if you're charging it, that's that's why I asked about the eighty percent because, as we know, the fast charge goes up to eighty percent typically, and then it's a trickle yeah. after that, right? Yeah. Electric vehicles are the same way, just like our cars. Yeah, absolutely, because you know that's the way lithium batteries work. So I, I, I assume that's probably what the, what the situation is with this. Uh, people are going to be thrilled. I think people are going to like, oh my god, nine minutes—that's incredible. Uh, but we also have to remember charging is more convenient now too. You can keep a couple of wireless chargers lying around. Yeah. And even if you leave it on a wireless charger, say at a nightstand while you're sleeping, you're fully charged. Yeah. To begin I, the day. I, that's all I, I, and I, mine's not even a fast charger. It's just a regular wireless, wireless charger. So you're saying it's not a big deal. Like do people really care? Well, I mean, it's a nice headline. Um, and certainly for some phones, lots of people were always dead. I feel like anytime anyone posts a, sh- a screenshot of their phone, their battery is always in red. <laughs> uh, on that note, guys, uh, we do have to take a break. Ted, I'm going to get you to hang on because we want to talk about some of the other uh, announcements, uh, especially kind of in the uh, kind of the tablet uh, platform from Mobile World Congress. Uh, you're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this, you're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're uh, Canada's number one mobile tech show. On the line right now, we've got our good friend Ted Kritsonos out of Toronto. We're talking about uh, some of the announcements at the Mobile World Congress. Uh, This is the big mobile tech show that happens in Barcelona, Spain every year. Uh, talked about some of the um, the phones and the new uh, battery charging. Uh, Want to look at some of the uh, the tablets that are announced as well. One that kind of caught my eye um, in Huawei. Don't send me emails. We're just talking about what's announced. Uh, they they have a, a new e ink tablet, the MatePad Paper. Yeah, so I mean this is kind of like a Kindle or a Kobo, but it also has a pen as well. Thoughts, Ted? Uh, when I first saw it, I immediately thought of the Kobo Ellipsa. And because that device, like, it came out last year, and the Ellipsa was very much this, about the same size, actually. E ink, of course, uh, being an e reader, and it had the pen input too. It was the first Kobo device that had a pen. So this seems to me to be very much the same type of product. Uh, I haven't obviously, you know, I haven't seen it up close, so I don't, I don't know how it feels or, or, or how it works, you know, but it, it, I don't know. I, I, it's a bit of an interesting choice. It's, uh, it's 10.3 inch grayscale screen yeah. with anti-glare reflective display to aid in low light. Um, the biggest thing that jumped out to me was the fact that you get this tablet, you get the M pencil and the folio cover for 500 euros. So you're probably looking in seven to $800 range here in Canada. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. For something that's half a tablet, half a, uh, yeah. So it's, it's going to be running their harmony OS. So you'll be able to load Android apps on it, but keep in mind, it's all grayscale. So I just wonder what, what is the market here? Like, is it for people that are reading textbooks and want to take notes? I think it's more for note taker people. Yeah. But why wouldn't you just get a tablet? Well, that's what this is. No, but like when with color. <laughs> well, with ink, it's it's better than having paper and pen. Yeah. So you can take notes. Again, we haven't had this to play with yet, but you know, it probably does all kinds of great things, like um, uh, being able to like, tra- trans- convert, c- convert your your writing to to text and in the text. Of, yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, I'm sure all that's in there. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, writing on e-ink is a little different than writing on a on a tablet screen. I can yeah. speak to that. Yeah. I can attest to that. It is a little different. Uh, not exactly like pen to paper, but it, it does get you a little bit closer to that feeling. So I imagine Huawei would probably play that up in this case and say like, hey, this is an alternative to writing on pen and paper and you get a tablet experience. But that grayscale, I don't know. Android yeah. apps on, in grayscale... Well, yeah, it, it can show video as well, but again, you're, you're dealing with a, a grayscale screen. But it yeah. it also, you know, potentially might have really great battery life too. Well, it e-ink should. displays do. It should, right? yeah, yeah. E-ink displays generally do. Yeah. So TCL also announced a a 10 inch tablet uh, coming in around 388 US, so it's going to be over 500 Canadian. But it's it's feature packed. It's got the large screen, uh, can run Android 12. It's got 5G built into it uh, as as well. Uh, but I'm just wondering, like how many of these Android tablets are kind of sold right now? Like if you want a tablet, do you typically go to like an iPad? And and then on top of that, are are the Chinese brands, the Huawei's TCLs, going to have a hard time, especially with all the geopolitical things happening right now in selling some of these things here in Canada, North America, for that matter? Well, the eyes of the world are in a different part of the world. Yeah. At the moment. So... But it's interesting, know, Ted, whenever we talk about any of these Chinese brands, uh, including Huawei... We get we get some emails about about that and like why are we talking about these things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, ahead, the the big thing is is that we're talking about them because they tend to be the ones actually leading the pack as far as technology goes. Yeah. Whether you agree with who owns them or how they're managing, you know, world affairs, that's a different story. But the reality is, is whatever these companies show off at MWC is stuff that we're going to be seeing down the road. Especially the technologies built into them. Especially so, the technologies. I mean, so again, we're not advocating buying these things or not. We're just reporting on yeah the technologies. It's interesting though, because like TCL had a couple different tablets. They have this other one. It's a it's an eight inch. AMOLED screen that actually has a 360 degree folding hinge. Oh, so okay. you can bend it. Yeah, folds both ways, inwards or yeah. outwards. That's kind of yeah. weird, eh? It is kind of weird because the back side is not a screen, so you just see the hinge. Yes, the front side is the screen, but you can just sort of rotate it in any any degree, basically. Yeah. But again, those folding phones or tablets—they're still like the price is up there. Yeah, yeah. On that, and I just—it well, remains to be seen for me. Like I like the um, the Samsung Galaxy Flip. It's like a little folding phone, right? Yeah, the Flip Three. Yeah, so that's easy to put in your pocket. But the larger ones, like the Fold and this TCL prototype here, the those, Ultra Flex. Yeah, you're you're having to allocate a lot of real estate in your pocket for that. You need a little wagon. <laughs> so I just don't, you know, are those things going to take off? Like I don't think in their current form factor they're going to be a big player yet. No, I still, I, I mean, this Ultraflex is a prototype that they're showing at MWC. And I think that's what a lot of the stuff is. It's a technical demo that shows that they can do the technology. And they're still kind of looking for that killer app or the killer use case that people would actually want this. I think the Flip 3 did a great job in basically sort of covering all the bases of what people want. They had some style, uh, stylish cases for it, different ways you can use it. It fits in your hand really nicely. These other bigger ones, they're still looking for uh, the, the solution that they're addressing. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I wanted to touch on as well. I, I, I feel like tablets have not advanced as far as phones have as far as usability goes. So, right, because the phone is something that everybody has. Not everybody has a tablet. And I think for a lot of people who do, 
they, they use it for maybe a singular purpose. It might be a consumption device. They're watching a lot of video on it, stuff like that. Some people may be working with them too, but it's, it's just, I think there's still some education there or at least there we're waiting, as John said, we're waiting for that, those use cases to emerge where people could see themselves using a product like that. And, you know, beyond what just, okay, cool. It folds. And I can, I mean, it's great for watching all the video I'm already watching. I can catch up on my shows on it, but why else would I need it to fold? You know, I, I think, um, I think we still need to see a, a, a shift or not a shift, but at least it's uh, more of a purpose behind these products as opposed to just a screen that folds. There's got to be more to it than that. We're talking with Ted Kritsonos all about some of the announcements at Mobile World Congress, the big uh, mobile tech show happening over in Spain, in Barcelona. Ted, as always, pleasure having you on the program. Thanks for having me, guys. When we come back from the break, if you are an iPhone user, we've got some little, uh, little goodies, little things you can do on your iPhone that you might not know about. Stay tuned. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Going to cover a few uh, goodies for the iPhone users out there. These are uh, iOS 15 features you probably didn't know existed. Uh, we're actually uh, uh, getting these from uh, slashgear.com. Great uh, website for a lot of this uh, type of content. Uh, John, both of you and I use iPhones quite a bit. Uh, let's start off with one of the first uh, things that you might not know that you could do with your iPhone. This is something that a lot of people, when they discover you can do this, they're like, oh my God, I wish I could have used that yesterday. Um, you can use your keyboard on your iOS 15 device as a trackpad. Okay. And so why would you want to do that and how? Well, you know how when you're like trying to fix a typo? Yeah. And you're trying to like, tap on the letter and it's just like a pain in the butt. Yeah, because you can never get it beside the right letter. No, because your finger's like eight times the size of the actual (laughs) cursor. If you just basically uh, press and hold onto the the keyboard's space bar, then your finger becomes basically a trackpad. And so it will just move all over the screen. Well, you move all along the keyboard to move the cursor around very precisely. Yeah. Yeah, So the keyboard, but you've got to keep your finger held down. Yes. And then you can move that that cursor to wherever you need to on that sentence. Yeah. And it makes it a hundred times easier. Yeah. Cause what it does is it actually turns the keyboard blank. So yes. you just basically have, it's almost like a, like your trackpad on a MacBook pro. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It's a great, it's a great feature. Um, so next we've got the using your iPhone's camera to scan any text. We've talked about this before. This is a great feature that they added where you can basically take a photo of a document of a billboard, a receipt, a receipt, a sign, anything like that. Business card. And it'll allow you to, um, you, you, you see this little icon in the in the bottom right corner of the photo after you've taken it. You click on that and then it'll basically highlight all the text that it sees in that image. And what will it do? It'll extract it? Well, it'll allow you to copy and paste it. Oh, perfect. So you can take that and put it into your notes app or uh, yeah. an email or a text message. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. super handy. And you can do that after the fact. So even when you've taken the photo. Already. Yeah, because maybe you're taking a, a photo quickly and stuff like that. You don't have to like try to do all this at the same time. You can do it after the fact. Again, we're talking about uh, little features on your iPhone that you might not know about. These little uh, secret things. Secret to some, not secret to others like you, John. Well, some of these I knew, some of them I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So uh, one thing that most people noticed when they got iOS 15 is that Safari is weird now. 
your your browser address bar moved to the bottom. Oh, I hated that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can actually put it back to the original position. All yeah. you need to do is go into Safari, tap on the little lowercase and uppercase A icon in the address bar, and then you can choose select show bottom address bar and or, or not, and that will allow you to switch where that lives if it lives on the bottom or lives on the top it's kind of funny right because when i first had it i hated it yeah and i did switch it up top but when you think about it it is kind of practical to have it at the bottom because then it's really easy to get to with your thumb exactly you just have to remember that it's there and and get over the 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 muscle memory (laughs) the muscle memory and just the pure hatred of having it move on you (laughs) yeah change is hard when they change things in, in user interfaces but um I, I couldn't get used to it, John, even though it was better for my thumb because now my thumb, thumb hurts again from stretching all the time to get to the top of my screen. Yeah. But anyway. So another thing that they've added, and this seems pretty basic on a desktop or a laptop, but you actually have the ability to drag and drop stuff between apps now. So for example, say I send you a link uh, via Slack, iMessage, uh, Facebook Messenger, something like that. You can just literally, uh, and this also works with images, URLs, pretty much any draggable data. Uh, you just like press on it and then open the second app while still holding it, which could be a little bit tricky. It's like a little bit of finger twister. Yeah. Um, but then you, you can like drag and drop between them. So, it, it But takes- well, how do, you, how do you do that when that, that app you're copying it from is like full screen? Well, it gets a little tricky then. Yes. Yeah. That's where I said, like, you have to use little finger dexterity. Okay. Maybe not the best one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to skip over that one because it's kind of... So the other nice thing is that when you take a photo now, you have a lot more information about that photo when you've taken it. It's This is called EXIF data, and this is a very common thing in photography where all the metadata that your camera uh, captures about a photo, and this could be things like you know, what was the shutter settings? Was the flash on or off? What was the aperture setting? And uh, even things like the GPS and location. And sometimes it'll even uh, figure out that particular place and show that in the EXIF data and a little tiny map for it too. So uh, it's it's a pretty cool feature. So all you need to do is uh, when you're reviewing your photos, um, if you just uh, basically slide up, or sorry, no, tap the share button first, tap options, and then you have some uh, uh, some ability there to turn off some of this data. So an example would be, say you wanted to send someone a photo that you're buying, there's someone's buying something from you on Craigslist, but you don't want to share where you live and you've taken this photo in your in your house. Basically, you can turn off the location data Okay. in there. Yeah. So that gives you the ability to hide that very specific, precise location of where you're, your diamond ring is so they don't come and steal it from you, right? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Now, the other thing is um, password locking PDF documents. One of the easiest things to do with iOS, um, well, iOS in general, is you can actually create a PDF from a lot of different things. Um, but sometimes you want to make sure that there's a password on so people can't uh, open up these documents. Yeah, because it might have some... Your banking information... I renewed my mortgage a little while ago. All my information was on my phone because I had these PDF documents. Yeah. I don't want everyone to have access to in that entire financial history. And so all you need to do is on your iPhone, um, this works on 
PDFs that are stored on your phone, not in the iCloud. So you have two options when you store PDFs on your phone is stored on this phone or stored in the cloud. Yeah. So these are locally stored ones. Um, basically, you just need to uh, tap on that, tap download, uh, tap downloads, uh, or the location where the PDF is located if you've already filed it. And then um, tap on the thumbnail of the document, tap the share icon, and select lock PDF. Then you, you'll be prompted to enter a password for this. And then uh, this password will be required every time that you want to open that document. So, I love it. So you can lock stuff. But the problem is, if you forget that password, that PDF is probably done. Forever. Yeah. You're never getting it back. No. 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 Um, so one thing that we, I think we actually may have talked about this in a previous show, but I think it's just a really great thing. If you're using the weather app uh, that Apple has on iOS 15, a lot of us have it on their, um, on your on your home screen and your dashboard widget. You actually have the ability to get weather alerts specifically for your location. So open up the weather app, tap the list icon, tap the more icon. It's basically we want the dots on the top right. Tap notification and then hit continue and allow notification prompt. So then anytime there's like a weather event, like like we've we've had a bunch of rain events lately in Vancouver, like rain starting in 10 minutes, you'll get these these notifications that'll pop up, like push notifications. Love it. We've been talking about uh, features inside your iPhone you might not have been using. Thanks, John. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected. You can find out more information and even listen to both of shows on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Lots of great YouTube videos up there as well. Uh, John, uh, I know a lot of us use Instagram, and typically that's on our, our phones. Uh, and a lot of us use it on on like tablets, like iPads, but they still haven't made like a specific tablet or an iPad app yet. And they say they're not ever going to. Kind of weird, right? It, it is. And a lot of people have been uh, asking, when's it coming? Uh, and the CEO, Adam Mossari, uh, basically said, eh, it's probably not coming. He, he was asked on Twitter about this and he says, yep, we get this, we get asked this a lot. It's still not a big enough group of people to be a priority. I'm like, can't you just make an intern do this? Like it's not. Yeah. Like how difficult? No. Do you remember when Facebook for the longest time wouldn't make an iPad app? Yeah. But now it's, it's great. Right. It's so much better to have the larger screen that, you know, and then it's made for the iPad. Well, it's just funny, like a giant company like Instagram that has arguably billions of dollars they can't spare someone just to make an app. Ah, they're probably doing okay. <laughs> okay, that's all the time we have left. I want to thank John and Robin who helped put the show together. We'll see you again next time here on The App Show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.